It's time for the December 31st, 2021 New Year's Eve edition of Weekly Signals Weekly Review, an untethered approximation of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting from the University of California at Irvine on KUCI 88.9 FM. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And, as always, the cornerstone of our commitment to improving your own personal new year, Mahler, the fake news dog. That's right, Mahler. He's got his toy this time. Well, he's, in a, he's in a very festive mood. It is, after all. Yeah. It is New Year's Eve. And yeah, way to go, yeah. Mahler. Yeah. Coming up yeah. today. We'll be talking about Mamie's Jazz Hound. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, there you go. He's a Hound. huge fan of the hounds, yeah. Can- canceling student debt now, zombie fires, the stupidest year in American history, and then some. <laughs> but first, do you have a voice assistant, Mike? You know, one of those little machines things, you know, that you say, uh, Alexa, no. take out the no. pancakes. <laughs> No, I don't. Yeah. I do not have one of those because oh. I've read too many stories. Has your about dad them. wanted one? Uh, of those? No, I, he's, that's, yeah. that's Alexa, kind of... turn on Fox News <laughs> and irritate my son. Something uh, like that. No, I don't. From BBC News, Amazon's Alexa voice assistant challenged the 10 year old girl to touch a coin to the prongs of a half inserted electrical plug. <laughs> The suggestion came after the girl asked Aleska for a challenge to do. Plug in a phone charger about halfway into a wall outlet, then touch a penny to the exposed prongs. <laughs> the smart smart speaker said. Yeah. They don't want to get personal and call it Alexa there. Yeah. Alexa, of course, as you know, is Satan. Yeah, it is Satan. Now, it's a Google uh, operation. I can't remember. That's on Amazon. Amazon, thank uh, you. The girl's mother said she and her daughter were doing some physical challenges. You know, they were yeah. sitting around asking Alexa to challenge them. Yeah. Like the shoe challenge. You ever do that one? No. I don't know what okay, it is. Okay, you lay on your back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, now now raise your foot way up in the air. The one one foot. Okay. Just one foot. You know, like one leg up. You got that. Okay, okay. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Okay, now you got it. You take your shoe off of the other foot. Oh, wait okay. a minute. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh okay. my god. I don't I don't know if I can do this. Now but, uh... now balance the shoe on top of the foot that's up in the air. Oh, okay. 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 I'm tired. Yeah. Now now roll over without letting that shoe fall off your foot. Oh my god. Go ahead. Oh, wait. wait. Oh. 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 Oh, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, I thought I could do it. I ought to try that sometime. Yeah, I thought we were just going to do like sit-ups or something, but that's not what we're going to Yeah, well, after the shoe challenge, Alexa suggested the Electrify Yourself challenge that Alexa found on TikTok. TikTok. You know, whatever. TikTok. Yes. No, Alexa, no! The mother scolded Alexa, you know. Yeah. Oh As God. if Alexa was misbehaving or exactly. something, you know. This is our relationship with technology uh, now. Hopefully yes. that gets into the algorithm, the no, no, Alexa, no, no. the screams of horror <laughs> as your child is electrocuting herself. <laughs> that would get into the algorithm. Hopefully. Alexa's life-threatening dare, known as the Penny Challenge, begins circulating on Tic Tac, as I like to call it, <laughs> and other social media websites about a year ago. Okay. Amazon said in a statement that it had updated Alexa to prevent it from killing someone in the future. <laughs> it is good to know. 
Uh, I'm very disappointed in Alexa, Amazon said. <laughs> That's a joke to you Charlie McCarthy fans out there. <laughs> Customer trust is at the center of everything we do, and Alexa is designed to provide accurate, relevant, and helpful information to customers who are willing to kill themselves, apparently. I've, uh, I would, I've got to believe that after billions of interactions with human beings, Alexa's yeah. had enough. Yeah, she's yeah, exactly. Next up, of course, the Jump Off the Golden Gate Bridge <laughs> Challenge, which we invite you all to do. Yes. Except we get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not you, Molly. No, Molly. Yeah, no, just no. stay put. Yeah. From Smithsonian Magazine. Yeah, you heard of that place. That I do know the Smithsonian Institute. Yes. You heard of Winnie the Pooh? No. You don't know who I Winnie mean, I know. <laughs> yes, I know who Winnie the Pooh. Who did doesn't I, know Winnie the Pooh? You said, did He's you hear about Winnie He's more popular than Jesus. He is. No. More, yeah, more <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, yes. an Ernest Hemingway classic and a massive library of sound recordings will enter the public domain tomorrow, January 1st. That's good news. Yeah. Copyrighted books, films, and songs from 1926, along with sound recordings from 1923 or earlier, become available to be shared, reused, and remixed without permission or fee. That's fantastic. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful. That means that Ernest Hemingway's The Sun Also Rises, silent movies starring Buster Keaton and Greta Garbo, and poem collections by Langston Hughes and Dorothy Parker are available to anyone who wants to make them available to others or use them in their own original work. That's fantastic. Yeah. The Association for Recorded Sound Collections notes that an estimated 400,000 recordings are entering the public domain. They include songs like Crazy Blues by Mamie Smith and her Jazz Hounds, okay. uh, Scott Joplin's Maple Leaf Rag, as performed by Vess Osman in 1907. So you can't just do any recording, but that one is That's sound now. recording is now available to use however you like it. You can remix it. You can chop it up and use it in another piece, whatever you want to do. We could use it for our theme music. We could. May I mention that uh, a great platform, a wonderful portal website is openculture.com, I believe. It's either .com or .org. Open Culture is, to my mind, the greatest repository of this exact stuff. Yeah. They find it, they put Uh it there, they make it available through Open Culture. Check that website out. It's got a website um, homepage that looks like it was created in the 1990s, Uh but nonetheless, it is a fantastic reservoir uh, resource, not reservoir, resource of of that kind of stuff. Also available are performances of the World War I anthem over there. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. By Nora Bays and Enrico Caruso. (laughs) That's right, Enrico Enrico. Caruso. So so they're no longer... Oh, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, I like his rendition a lot. Yeah, he does. Mahler sounds pretty close to Enrico there. Yeah, that's very good. A fine operatic tenor, Mahler. Yes. Yes. And there's a lot of vibrato in his voice as well. Open culture. Yeah, open culture. Great website. From Science Daily. Yeah. A new antibody discovered in the blood of some people vaccinated against or infected with influenza can recognize a broad variety of flu viruses, which is an advancement in the quest for a universal flu vaccine. Uh, Antibodies against a long-ignored section of the virus, which the team dubbed the anchor, 
have the potential to recognize a broad variety of flu strains even as the virus mutates from year to year, mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah. One shot gets them all. Yeah. By identifying sites of vulnerability to antibodies that are shared by large numbers of variant influenza strains, scientists can design vaccines that are less affected by viral mutations. The antibodies themselves can also be developed as drugs with broad therapeutic, therapeutic applications. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they didn't elaborate on that, but I assume not just as a vaccine, but as other... Yeah, another form of... Potion that would yeah, require you, antibodies. Yeah, if you have it, if you have that, I'm sure that it will help develop uh, therapies for mm -hmm. getting rid of it, if you yeah. have it. And this is one of the... the, the the good side of all of the crap that we're going through with COVID, and that is as they become more and more familiar with these viruses and better at, at combating them, they're also unlocking the door on many other therapies that will be, yeah. uh, be helpful to us in the future, right? Yeah. Until now, scientists designing universal vaccines hadn't paid attention to whether the anchor region of the stem was included as the target, Ideally, a universal influenza vaccine will create antibodies against multiple sections of the virus. So yeah, yeah. this would all be good. Yeah. I hope they get it going. Yeah, I too. Yeah, me too. From the New York Times. You know that liberal. Liberal. News, newspaper. Rag. Yeah. Show of hands. Uh, who out there listening has read the New York Times? I have. Uh, yeah, yeah. I can okay. see. I can see. Hold on. I'm putting on my special glasses. Uh huh. Marty. Uh huh. Jane. Uh huh. Artie. Like they're all. Yes, they're uh -huh. always in their hands. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Estrina. Estrina. I see her out yeah, there. Yeah, I see her out there too. Uh, well, if you've read it, you know that it's really not that liberal. No. No. It's, yeah. That is. That is what we call a straw dog in, yeah. for the right. They just say things yeah. and they become true in their world. Yeah. They're not necessarily true in the real world. They have liberal writers. Yes, they for certain do. Yeah. And some parts of the, occasion when they do have editorial pages, yeah. often populated with liberal uh -huh. writers. Yeah. Yes. And they have conservative writers too. Yes. And they have infuriatingly middle of the road writers. That's right. Anyway, a new survey shows the majority of people with or connected to schizophrenia, this is from the New York Times, approve of updating the name of the disorder. Okay. Want to change the name of schizophrenia. The idea that replacing the term schizophrenia with something less frightening and more descriptive, schizophrenia, by the way, means a split mind. That's all the words mean. Uh, will not only change how the public perceives people with schizophrenia, but also how these people see themselves. The lead author of the survey said that the term schizophrenia over time has become so associated with hopelessness, dangerousness, and volatile and erratic behavior that doctors are afraid to use the term with people and their family members. And people who have the condition don't want to be associated with the name. Mm -hmm. Nine alternative names were proposed based partly on the experience of people diagnosed with schizophrenia. And the schizophrenia, by the way, is characterized by thoughts or experiences that seem out of touch with reality, disorganized speech or behavior, and decreased participation in daily activities. Among the new names proposed, are you ready? Mm -hmm. I feel like we have a, should have a drum roll or something. <laughs> new names proposed. Altered perception disorder. Okay. 
Okay. I don't know if you know that's something I want to hear. Altered but, perception. You know, if I have the, I guess maybe that would help. Want to try another? Good. Attunement disorder. That, that doesn't ring. I'm that's, not sure that describes. <laughs> I don't know what that describes. Yeah, attunement. You know what? Yeah. I don't. I don't ever say to, I'm a. I guess I say I'm attuned. Yeah, but I don't, you'd have to define attune first. Yeah, well, you know, in 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 sync with the world. In, yeah, reality. I yeah, guess. Yeah, reality. In tuned with reality. Yeah. Disconnectivity syndrome. That sounds kind of telephonic, you know. <laughs> it does. Yeah. Uh, integration disorder, meaning you're not able to integrate with the rest of the world, and psychosis spectrum disorder. That one sounds the scariest of all. In fact, they're all a little bit scary. You know, I mean, would you want to have any of these? Well, I, no, I don't want to have schizophrenia yeah. either, but I, yeah. I don't. Well, yeah, it, yeah, how, I mean, about, how about calling it like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride or something? <laughs> At least that gets to the heart of it, doesn't it? I, I mean, you, you know, you know what you're uh, up against. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I guess the, the idea behind all this is to sort of demythify yeah. the, the idea that someone diagnosed with schizophrenia is automatically a, a danger to society or somehow. Yeah, but eventually I find with names, it just takes time. Yes, it does. It takes time and yeah. then it'll be associated with whatever bad behaviors right. that word is pointing to. Right, right. It's not the word necessarily, it's what it's trying to point to. Oh, isn't that? Right. I, yeah. Excuse me while I touch the sky. Yeah. There you go, so how about that? <laughs> That kind of, I mean, it has that helplessness, really, because you're not going to touch this guy. Everybody knows that. But there's hope in it, you know? Yeah, right, I mean, right, 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 right. There's an aspiration there. Yeah. Here come the warm jets. Here come... <laughs> which, which I think is kind of a warning, but it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, it's and, not necessarily and the, bad. The follow-up question, where are the warm jets? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, we don't know. We, and we don't coming. know with schizophrenia but, either. Yeah, the warm yeah. jets are coming. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Rose by any other name would smell the same, said Dr. Carpenter, uh, editor of Schizophrenia Bulletin, a peer-reviewed medical journal. I didn't know I didn't know they had such a thing, which is, it's good that they do. Yeah. He was not involved in the survey, but he says, if you make the change, how long until the stigma catches up with yeah. it? And that's kind of where yeah. I am. That That's the big picture question. That yeah. is, are... are, are inability to grapple with the idea of mental illness being something that is it's almost goes back to the middle ages like you're possessed by a yeah. by a demon of sorts there's a perception of that yeah i don't think that's i mean i hope i'm not overstating that but there so we have to get out away from the idea that somebody who is mentally ill is somehow dangerous or a threat or but something what if they are well they could be yeah. but not necessarily yeah. I mean, somebody, I, I, I mean, we have to, the stigma. I mean, that's the best way to say it. We have We have to do more to address the stigma of mental illness. Uh. I don't know. I think. <laughs> I, if this news makes you uncomfortable, may I recommend a donation to KUCI to lighten your load? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial-free, free-form, free-speech radio, KUCI, 88.9 FM. I love the way that fades. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mahler likes that, too. I love the way that fades out. Whew.
from the American Association for the Advancements of Science newsletter. Okay. That's a mouthful. It is. A new study found that prescribed burning of temperate forests, savannas, and grasslands can actually lock in carbon in the soils there. So that's a good thing. Tell me more. For preventing global warming. Yeah, you yeah. Can keep the carbon in the ground. Right. The finding points to a new method of manipulating the world's natural capacity for ca carbon capture and storage. Fire burns plant matter in organic layers in the soil. The in severe wildfires, this leads to erosion and leaching of carbon. It can take years or even decades for lost soil carbon to reaccumulate. But the researchers say the cooler controlled fires can cause other transformations within soils that can offset these immediate carbon losses and may stabilize ecosystem carbon. Fire stabilizes carbon by creating charcoal, which is very resistant to decomposition, and forms aggregates, uh, physical clumps of soil that can protect carbon-rich organic matter at the center. Fire can also increase the amount of carbon, carbon bound tightly to minerals in the soil. High-intensity fires can destabilize a fire, breaking off carbon-based organic matter from minerals and killing soil and bacteria and fungi. Killing soil, bacteria, and fungi. Yeah, that's what I want to say. Without fire, soil carbon is recycled. Organic matter from plants is consumed by microbes and released as carbon dioxide or methane. But infrequent cooler fires can increase the retention of soil carbon. So what they're saying is if you have a controlled fire, yeah. not this blazing inferno, but something where it's actually a cooler fire, yeah. it can help the soil hold carbon and it would be better. There have been a number of studies that uh, that dive into this idea of the, the, the health, the healthier, this, let me start that again, the healthier the soil, the better it is to capture carbon. It is a carbon sink if it's done right. You know, when the first explorers, the first European explorers came to California yeah. and they arrived into the port of Los Angeles, uh -huh. they they nicknamed it this the the something of fire. I can't remember the first part, but they named it because the Indians who were here, the Native Americans who were here, were doing just what you're saying. They would they would do these uh control fires yeah. because there was so much shrubbery and brush around. They learned to manage the soil that managed their, their their environment by virtue of what you're describing. But when the Europeans arrived here and they saw all the fires, they got out because they said there's just, that's too much, there's, you know, it's on fire all the time. But what they didn't realize was that the native people knew how to manage the environment. Yeah. And they, and they made it healthier by doing that. Okay. <laughs> More about fire. More about fire. From Scientific American, zombie fires. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna. Everything's a zombie now. But go ahead. There's a. There's well, these a... are zombies. Okay, but I'm. I know. But just everything's become... a zombie. Well, it's just become a thing. Zombie Molly, thing. Are you a zombie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, yeah, but but I've <laughs> I've seen zombie poop out there in the in the field. <laughs> and I know I know what I I know what I see. Yeah, that's you. I know. You're all... Zombie fires. Wildfires appearing dead in the winter are actually smoldering and then bouncing back to life in spring to consume increasingly f more land in the far north. 
Zombie fires are stubborn, deep-burning fires that require pumps and hoses and a lot of effort to put out. Jesus. Miles of nearly continuous logs can crisscross on top of each other to hide an underlayer of foot-deep boiling ash. Jesus. You need to chainsaw through the logs to get to the fire. Since 2005, scientists have recorded at least 40 zombie wildfires in the Alaskan and Canadian far north. More than half, more than two and a half times as much acreage burned in the northernmost state between 2001 and 2020 in comparison to the 1990s. It's a lot, a lot more, just in general fires. In the same, in some of those years, the area burned by zombies has totaled up to 38% of the land burned in Jesus. Alaska wow. and Canada. Wow. So they just hang out. They don't go away. That's just amazing. They overwinter. That's crazy. Yeah. I'll say. I'll say. Wow. Let's do this. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us on the web at KUCI.org, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, and on Twitter at and Twitter and Instagram at KUCIFM. Here's another liberal publication, the Washington Post. Oh, I that. Who would ever get information oh, from those liberals? It makes me so angry. <laughs> <laughs> they got to be the most staid conservative paper around. They are the definition of the establishment. Yeah. When you want to talk about a journal, and the New York Times to a very large degree, when yeah. you want to talk about the establishment of the United States and all of its governing and business interests and all the rest of it, New York Times, Washington Post, they stand up yeah. for the establishment. And that's, well, they I'm don't not stand saying up it's a for it. They, they, sometimes they criticize it in very petty ways. Right, right. And it's a good, I mean, I'm glad we have an establishment to some degree yeah. when it's, when it doesn't get in the way of progress, yeah. when it sent, tends to serve an interest that are antithetical to our health yeah. and well-being, I have a problem. But generally speaking, I'm glad we have an established governing class yeah. of sorts. Yeah. 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 From the Washington Post, a Chinese firm helping Trump take his new media company public has been the target of investigations by federal securities regulators who say the firm misrepresented shell companies that had no products and few employees. As what they said about those companies that had no products and few employees, that they were ambitious growing enterprises. Yeah. Yeah. How does that happen? Because they're a con. This is, yeah, this yeah, is exactly, this is the world we live in. This is the way they're able to manipulate. Yes. Arc Capital is the name. An investment advisory firm based in Shanghai has repeatedly helped create or finance companies with little or no revenue, no customers, and office locations that point to P.O. boxes. Yeah. That's never a good thing. That's right. I mean, it can be okay if somebody has a small little business, but if you're looking at a, <laughs> at a large corporation that has a P.O. box, I'd say run. One such company claimed to be developing autonomous drone software despite having no employees. Huh. I don't know how that works. Another said it operated a publicly traded in-home bakery, bakery specializing in freshly made cakes and cupcakes before saying it pivoted into a touchscreen technologies for a diversified blue chip client base. Yeah. So it went from baking cupcakes to 
touchscreen technology. Yeah, making drones it or something. It pivoted. You pivoted. <laughs> That's not a pivot. That's, That's a somersault. This, what you're identifying, Nathan Callahan, yeah. is the problem with our financial system in that in 2008, when all of this bad stuff happened, almost caused the collapse of the world's economy, all of it was legal. Yeah. This is probably legal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is legal. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah it is a problem. Well, it, it, we'll get into that. Yeah. The United States allows shells com shell companies to be listed on public markets, but requires operators to truthfully represent them as businesses with no active operations, which is where it gets hinky. Yeah, there you go. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has accused Trump's backer, ARK Capital, of deceiving investors about the scope of his operations, the locations of his businesses, and the identities of the people behind them. This year, ARK Capital helped create Digital World Acquisition, an investment vehicle that has raised over $1.2 billion to conduct a merger with Trump Media and Technology Group. Yeah, it's a scam. Digital World is what's known as a special purpose acquisition company, a type of shell business that raises money from investors to acquire a private startup, which is all fine and dandy. I still don't like it, but that's just me. The deal, which still must be approved by shareholders and regulators, has the potential to, to enrich Trump and turn his struggling social media startup, tentatively called Truth Social. God. Truth Social. Into a public company overnight yeah so so they'll raise a billion dollars yeah yeah off in china or shanghai right. Right. next thing you know trump's china. got fake social or whatever he calls it china yeah that's uh that's yeah. trump the the, the man who sounded just like him yeah, I, when yeah, i heard that, that yeah, I, yeah. I got it was a, a clip. shiver i got a clip i yeah. just played for you guys i know this is it this is this is the world that donald trump has been living in for ever and ever now he just essentially is one step ahead of the police. He yeah. has been. Another con, another grift, another way of bilking the, the rubes out of their money. And he will fly off to um, to Moscow when he gets too, too much. Or to be Beijing to live the rest of his life. Hmm. I think I still think he might do something like that. I know you think I'm crazy. You mean right before they drag him into court? I think he might seek asylum somewhere. He'll just claim that this is a witch hunt, and he'll fly off to some, some country with no extradition treaty. Yeah. I, I think it's possible. From our good friend Michael Hiltzik at Los Angeles Times, farewell to 2021. There you go. The stupidest year in American history. <laughs> That's right. You heard it here. <laughs> the stupidest year. Yeah. Oh. There are other years. Yeah. You've heard of those years. I've heard of other years. Yeah. <laughs> 2020. 2020. 2019. Yeah, 2019. 1786. <laughs> 301. Uh, other years, other than this one, where stupidity brought civilization to the eve of destruction. Yes, it did. The perpetrators of some of the stupidity might say in their defense that they were brought low by circumstances that they didn't know about at the time. You know, they were distracted or... There's were... no excuse. Yeah. I don't really... But America in 2021 yeah. can't plead it didn't know. No, they can't. What? Didn't know that vaccines representing stupendous scientific achievements were the solution to the COVID-19 pandemic? We knew that. Yeah. yeah. 
you had to be stupid not to realize that. <laughs> Didn't know that Donald Trump wasn't psychotic when he demanded that government officials overturn a fair presidential election? Yeah. We knew that. We knew that. He was crazy. He needed power. Yeah. He's a megalomaniac. Yeah. Everybody knew that except the stupid ones. <laughs> Didn't know that Bitcoin and NFTs and SPACs and meme stocks were destined ever, even designed. Yeah, they are. To take away unwary investors to the cleaners. Exactly. Thank you. To, to, to rip you off. Thank you, Michael Hilsick. Yeah, you know that. You know this is happening. It's a pyramid scheme. Yes. Except for the stupid Except ones. Except for the stupid ones. Of course we knew, and we still know, but we don't seem to care. For example, the pandemic is surely the focus of the most obtuse and ignorant public reaction to any crisis in American history. Yes. It's as if the grown-ups have all been beamed up and we are left in the hands of people like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Yes. In any rational world, the refusal or failure by some 50 million adult Americans to take a vaccine of known efficacy against a deadly disease would be inexplicable. That's a frustrating thing. It really, truly is. Yeah. But this is not a rational world. I mean, people are getting vaccinated for everything else. It's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. This is the, yes, go ahead. Because I, yeah, I can rant about this that. This is not a rational world, and the situation is even worse. Vaccine refusal is seen in many corners of the U.S. not merely as the exercise of personal choice for personal reasons, but as a means of showing moral superiority over the vaccinated. Yeah. Well, I'm free, and you're... A not-free person. I'm enslaved by science. <laughs> How did it come to pass that Americans who almost uniformly are inoculated against at least a half dozen serious diseases in childhood chose this moment to refuse a spectacularly effective shot against one of the most dangerous diseases to arise in their lifetimes? Yeah. Stupidity. Yes. Stupidity. The vaccine's effectiveness is scarcely disputable. The Commonwealth Fund estimates that the vaccine averted about 1.1 million American deaths from COVID-19. We would have had another million deaths, yes. according to this one survey, mm -hmm. and more than 10.3 million hospitalizations this year. We would have crushed our medical system. Yeah. We would have. It would have been, it would have been overwhelmed. We would not have a functioning healthcare system had these idiots been allowed to get away with what they've been yeah. doing. How did, where'd the stupid come from? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I know. Trump led the stupid charge, yes. dismissing social distancing steps and refusing to speak up for vaccination. Yes. Even though we now know he was vaccinated. Yeah. Go, go watch the old clips, for God's sakes, if you even doubt this a little bit. Right. He's out there pretending like the vaccine is, you know, what's the choice? You can do it or you don't need to really do it. You know, it's not a big deal. Right. It was a big deal. Yeah. People died because of his, I don't know what to call it. It's not stupidity. It's, it's taking advantage. It's its his craven self-interest. Yeah. He is a pathological narcissist. He saw COVID as a potential threat to his coronation in 2020, and he did everything he could to make sure it never, ever got to that point politically for him. And DeSantis has been the leader of this group, and oh, yeah. as Trump has fallen. Yeah. DeSantis has chosen to make Dr. Anthony Fauci head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and America's most respected authority on the pandemic a target of partisan slander. Yeah. 
It's just, it's the, ridiculous the to watch that, the exchange between the two of these people. The 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 um, policies that he's, that he's putting in place in in Florida are designed to kill people. Yeah, they really are. He's appointed a vaccine doubter as his state's top public health official. Yeah, and like you say, the outcome is Florida currently ranks eighth worst among states in its COVID-19 death rate, with, with more than 62,000 Floridians having perished from the virus. Of the seven states with worse records, six are red states, yeah. like Florida. Yeah. Just, just figure it out. I mean, the good thing is the stupid people are dying off, I guess. You know, I've said that for the last three or four weeks. Yeah. And I don't really take any joy in saying exactly that. Exactly right. I just want people to get smart. Exactly. You're right. To your point, not really saying, I hope they die. Yeah. They're dying. Yeah. It's not anything that I have any control over. They're dying yeah. unnecessarily. They could survive and live and have kids and raise, you know, have a life. They choose to die. Well, you goodbye know, I, yeah, to goodbye. 2021. Thank you. The stupidest year in American history. Yeah. I, real quick, because you yeah. mentioned it, the January 6th insurrection, right? Yeah. The attempted coup. Uh -huh. I heard something last week that I think I, I really want to get out there because I, I, it's been in my brain for a while. There's been a lot of criticism of the fact that the National Guard was not called in sooner, that there were there were law enforcement agencies that could have been called in. Uh -huh. the, the Department of Defense had, had could have brought in troops. But a lot of things could have happened. As the crowd was gathering, and they on were January gathering, 6th, and once really. they once they was obvious, and anyone who was in the Capitol could see that they were about to attack it, and that they were using force to do so. Yeah, I mean, all you had to do is be watching TV at the time to right. know that right. you should have the National Guard there. I don't think anybody was doubting that. Right. And, well, and going back to how much intelligence they had, all of them had it. Yeah. All of this stuff was going on. I heard something very interesting, and I thought actually this may be a mitigating and and uh situation and that is there was real fear on the part of the the department of defense general milley and and those people that if they were to call in the military into this situation to defend the capital that there was a reasonably high probability that trump would have essentially deputized them or what the word is yeah. he would have essentially given them new orders to allow the attack to continue or, in fact, to support the attackers. Well, there was all that memo out there that says protect the Trump people. Right. This is, I, I didn't think about it in those terms. And it, there was fair criticism that law enforcement, there was not a greater uh, presence on their part for this, mm. for what happened. But the thought, it, it, that's a coup. That's a military coup yeah. that, that they were actually concerned might happen if they were to put their own troops out there, huh. that Trump would essentially order them to do something else. Which, again, if anyone's doubting that this was a coup attempt, that is truly frightening to me. That's the thing that's really gotten my attention, was that he was going to do that. Yeah. Well, you said that they were afraid. The military was, was afraid, to, yeah. yeah. There was, apparently there was intelligence that this but, was part of the plan. They had a multiple plans oh, in operation. Yeah. So if this didn't work, well, this is, this is something else that could work. If they couldn't get Pence to stop the vote for 24 hours, all they were asking Pence to do, stop the vote for 24 hours and declare a constitutional crisis 
and they could impose martial law. This is what Mike Flynn's been talking about for, for we know him to have been talking about it for months. Seriously talking about Seriously it. Seriously talking about it. Not as a, a uh, yeah, national uh, security something advisor. Something he hopes to, he doesn't do, but he this, wa- wanted to do it. It came out fairly early that he wanted to declare a martial law situation. And this has now become, all these pieces are starting to fit together. From the Washington Post again, that establishment newspaper, Mm -hmm. you'd never hear them say anything crazy. (laughs) Yeah. An opinion by Katrina Vandenhovel. Former editor of The Nation. Yeah. Yeah. As rising coronavirus cases and the derailing of the Build Back Better Bill dampen holiday cheer, the Biden administration made an announcement that inspired some hope for the new year. After sustained public pressure from Mike and I, (laughs) the administration extended until May the moratorium on student loan repayments that was scheduled to end in January. This is a good thing. With 89% of borrowers, borrowers reporting that they are not financially secure enough to resume payments in the immediate future, the extension will provide vital relief. But the move also raises the question, why restart payments at all? And I have a thought on that, but Katerina says, though many of the administration's solutions to social, environmental, and health crises must be filtered through our gridlock Congress, student debt is different. Yeah. The Higher Education Act gives the administration broad authority to end the crisis without Biden having to deal with McConnell or Manchin or Cinema. Biden should act now, not just because the country desperately needs relief and Biden just as desperately needs a political win, but because canceling student debt is as strategically smart as it is morally urgent. This is the point of the uh, Washington Post that I don't like. Now, I don't, want, I don't want political commentary here as if I, Biden just as desperately needs a political win. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the Washington Post has been saying crap on him. Right. And... And it's been a matter for the last year of struggling against right. a Republican Senate minority who's locked things in. Yes. We can't do anything. That's right. In a lot of cases. And yet it's characterized as him needing a political win. Right. Shouldn't it be, be that it's about time that the people of the country had some power? That's right. That's right. And, and go and, and essentially implement something that the vast majority of the American people want to see happen. Yes, exactly. And for all the reasons that I'm sure she articulates, which is it frees up these people to not only pursue what they actually went to school for yeah. without having to worry about this onerous debt that they've incurred, yeah. but it also frees up a lot of money. It frees up. Student debt is, is, is bigger than consumer debt, credit yeah. card debt. So, yes, it does a lot of wonderful things to get the economy going. By the way, you're right about the they're not I'm I'm not a huge Joe Biden fan, but he's done some good things. And the economy is doing very, very well. Well, don't characterize something that's positive by saying, and he needs this political win, so he better do it. Yeah. Say it's positive for people. And like you say, it's great for the economy. Yes. It'd be wonderful for the economy. And it's a petty thing to say. Yeah, exactly. Today, nearly one out of every six adult Americans, 43 million people have outstanding federal student loans, adding up to $1.7 trillion in debt, $1.73 trillion in debt. Rather than inject a one-off stimulus into the economy, 
into the economy, as some critics have claimed, cancellation of the debt would prompt Americans to reevaluate their long-term spending plans and invest in a better future. It would enable them to do that. It could give millions a chance to finally buy a house or start their business or help their kids get an education too. Investments are good for both, both for families and the overall economy. And she ends it by saying Biden should help Americans in ways that he can that he can right now by building on grassroots energy, making good on his word and giving tens of millions of people greater ability to invest in their futures. Executive actions speak louder than words. This is Biden's moment to go beyond talk about a more equitable future and start building it. And this was one of Bernie's big things. This is one of the things that propelled the the Sanders campaign was canceling student debt. By the way, unless you're a private institution, I honestly do not believe that I that you you should have to pay you should have to pay nominal fee to go to a university community college. I I agree there's some cost involved yeah. that should be incurred by the student yeah. to have him invested in some way in going to college. But most of this cost should be absorbed by by the by us by our society. Yeah. To otherwise we get stupid people. Exactly. This yeah. is this is a part of the problem. We have a lot of stupid people, as Michael Hilsinger said. So. Well, the other thing is, is that forgiving the debt, even even if you just had a, a reasonable forgiveness of it, like if you say if you've paid off yeah. the principal in interest, in other words, yeah. if you paid enough right. interest to actually pay off the principal, right. it, but you, a lot of people are in that situation yeah. too, where they have paid off, paid enough money to cover the principal, but they haven't even paid on the principal yet because of the because of this uh, because yeah. of the interest rates. If yeah. you paid that initial right. interest off that covers the principal, you're done. Yeah. This, how about that for a forgiveness yeah, that, plan that, right great. there? That's great. That's a great idea. And again, it's the money that goes back into the system instead of being locked up in a, a loan scam. Well, by the way, this is another thing, the privatization of government services. A yeah. lot of the debt servicers, almost all of them, I assume, are private interests. Plus, yeah. the university themselves have become money mills. I'm sorry, we're speaking from a university. But the cost of going to school... Yeah, you go here and you see all those posters up where the coolest university... That What they're trying to do is attract people here to make money. Exactly. Not to put something out at the other end that, that can actually that's get right. a job right. somewhere. Right. And it's some, a lot of people do start good careers here. That's not saying that. Right. But there are a lot of people that don't. A lot of people that come out of the university with nowhere to go. Right. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. our perception and our priorities regarding education to privatize it to the degree that it becomes a profit center yeah. is ridiculous and yeah. bad. It's a bad idea. From the Atlantic, the heaviest drinkers in the animal kingdom are smaller than you might expect. <laughs> okay. Elephants, for example, are massive, but they are relative teetotalers. <laughs> they lack a gene for alcohol metabolism. Humans rank pretty highly because our ancestors ate fermented fruit that had fallen to the ground. Mm-hmm. So we're used to that kind of stuff, kind of. But to find the real hooch hounds, you have to think hamster. <laughs> Hamsters. You just put a bottle of unsweetened Everclear on a hamster cage and they love it, said Gwen Lupfer, a psychologist at the University of Alaska Anchorage who has studied alcohol consumption in hamsters. They regularly down 18 grams per kilogram of body weight a day, the alcoholic equivalent of a human drinking a liter and a half of 190 proof Everclear grain alcohol. 
Listen, I don't want That's wanna, a hamster. That's a hamster. Listen, I don't want to get too far into this, Nathan, because well, it's it's private, but who among us hasn't, you know, gone into a bar and woke up the next morning in bed with a hamster? I mean, oh. yeah, it, it's, it's Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, come on, how many I hear you. Uh, I, yeah. They take advantage of you. Yeah, I mean they do. Yeah. I didn't know I was drinking. They're clear headed. You're next, they drink you under the table, yeah. drag you home next thing and I have know. their way with you. <laughs> so those those bastards. You know, it's essentially those guys, they'll drink a bathtub full of Mogan David, those hamsters. <laughs> one of them. Just one of them. <laughs> in the wild, hamsters hoard, in the wild, yeah. hamsters hoard ryegrass seeds and fruit in their burrows. And then they eat this fermenting store yeah. in their burrows yeah. as it becomes more and more alcoholic over the winter. <laughs> wow. In the lab, they're just happy with Everclear. You can literally put Everclear and, and they're good. They're good with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You want to party. You party with a hamster. That's what I say. <laughs> I don't know. We shouldn't say that because, you know, cannabis is so much better for you. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But we're not, we well, can't, well, I can't, don't know. There was time where we told. couldn't say that without, yeah, right. without going to prison. But, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a fair society. It, it is. <laughs> uh, and finally, yeah. from The Guardian, okay. Lickable TV. <laughs> You've heard of that stuff. No, I have not. What is Lickable it? TV. A Japanese professor has developed a prototype lickable TV screen that can imitate food flavors. Another step toward creating a multi-sensory experience. Oh, my God. That's what they say. The device called Taste the TV. TTTV. It should be called COVID TV, don't <laughs> you think? <laughs> Yeah, TTV TV, Taste the TV uses a carousel of 10 flavor canisters. <laughs> this uh, sounds really scientific, yeah, doesn't it? It does. That spray a combination to create the taste of a particular food. <laughs> the flavor sample then rolls on hygienic film over a flat TV screen for the viewer to lick. Wow. Ahome Miyashitsa. Uh, the inventor of TTTV, a professor at Meiji University in Tokyo, said... The goal is to make it possible for people to have the experience of something like eating at a restaurant on the other side of the world, even while staying at home. Uh, yeah. I don't know, Mike. Yeah, I don't know. When's I the last I, time you ever licked your dinner? <laughs> you know? That's, that's true. I don't lick my food. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, as much as I love my food. Yeah, popsicles maybe, <laughs> maybe but at a certain point in time. Yeah, yeah, you, you get down to business, people? yeah. The thing is, I think they, I have a name for the TV. I've got to come up with it because this is what I do. I'm a, you know, I'm You're an idea machine. Yeah. yeah. Vector. Vector? That's a good idea. Vector TV. Vector TV. <laughs> you can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.